What up? This is Myron, and you're listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast, the down on the docks on the other side of the tracks, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you were listening to right here on the free Odyssey app or hey, wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. Look, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to do that as long as you are liking, subscribing, and sharing the good word about the Rye Bread and Mustard of Mariners podcast. And that goes for YouTube as well. Hey, if you subscribe there, you're always going to know when the new content's up there. We're always uh, surprisingly putting more and more content on there. We're trying to grow the community over there as well as the community on Twitter, or sorry, I'm sorry, I guess I'll have to cut and re-edit that. It's called X now. We're on there. We're interactive. Hit me or Hanno up there. You can also hit us on Instagram. We got a team of people starting that up now, and as well as our Facebook. We're on there, here and there. Go check us out. Let's be friends. Also, if you're liking the gear, hit up at simply.core. That's at simply.core. We've had uh we've had a good rush of uh, orders coming in so get your orders in and make sure you can get them with the mariners coming back for their homestand and just down the stretch and hopefully with the playoffs all right that's enough house cleaning for right now um with us tonight is hannah up in edmonds but i am down here at murphy's on 45th murphy's irish pub along with the ninja who is off camera if you're watching this on the socials or youtube what's going on hanno hey guys how you doing tonight uh you want to answer that ninja how are we doing tonight you just said before we came on this might be the worst day of your life no just this year of this year so far why well well mariners lose the seahawks look like crap <laughs> that's basically sums it up right there yeah it, it has been a tough uh ass kicking for a seattle sports fans it's about 10 in the morning wouldn't you say hanno uh yeah i mean that's about as long as i watched uh, the mariner game this morning yeah i watched football all day but yeah tough sports day for seattle fans pro sports yeah, yeah it's both games uh, uh you know <laughs> back to back uh pretty disappointing it, it kind of felt great for a second there at the beginning of that seahawks game and then you were just like no we've just had just all kinds of you know false hope and disappointment from breakfast time to dinner time um anyways we're here to cover the mariners they're getting off of a three and seven road trip as well as three and seven here in the month of september after a record-breaking August, uh, pretty rough start, I would just say, just just to be clear. Yeah, I mean, they were lucky to get one game in this Tampa series, so that was a terrible road trip, and uh, they were they and they played in the final game like they were ready to get out of town. So yeah, tough road trip overall. But you play good teams, and when you play good teams, you face good pitching. So yeah, that's the way it goes, you got to be on your game. I say uh, let's just get through these games and let's talk about uh, what we think they could do, what possibly we could be seeing here on this Mariners homestand that they're about to start with the Anaheim Angels. Sorry, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County, unincorporated Disneyland, um, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are pretty scary this time of year, just just like uh, the Houston Astros, wouldn't you say, Hannah? Yeah, they're a perennial playoff team every single year. Um, they haven't won as many titles, but 
but they're in the thick of it every single year down to the, you know, NLCS, it seems like. Um, and if they don't, uh, it's a big shocker. But yeah, they're always um, ready to compete, ready to dominate and ready to go far in the playoffs. Yeah, my L.A. friends hate when I say this, but I call them the Atlanta Braves West. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're basically, you can pretty much pencil in every year. The Braves will be there at the end somewhere in October most of the time. And uh, the Dodgers, it's just kind of basically if you're in the National League, there's three other spots every year. Yeah, you're going through one of those cities last year. Shockingly, both of them got knocked out early. And uh, but yeah, they're always in it. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into this. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Of course, this game happened down in Tampa in the uh, Tropicana Field. Uh, if you don't know your history, the the uh, the uh, the Rays at the time, the Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays first started playing in the stadium that was sitting there waiting for somebody to play in it for 10 years. This was originally built to try to sway the Mariners with a group with uh, Jeff Smoy and the Mariners owner at the time. And it uh, included the likes of Dave Letterman uh, Ninja. You've been to Tropicana field. What is it like? Whoa. The Tropicana field is basically a replica of the old kingdom. Yeah. So meaning like you couldn't see anything after when you go to the concessions or anything oh. like that. I'm talking about just the design of the whole stadium, the, the dome and the, the, the ramps on the side and everything you could think of is just is the kingdom. And it's still it's still, you know, not even knocked down in Scottsdale or, or no, uh, St. Petersburg, St. <laughs> yeah, Petersburg. That's where I went. Yeah, you checked it out. I have not yeah. had the pleasure of going there. Have you, Hannah? No, I have not been to Florida. It's pretty interesting watching the broadcast and, and listening to the radio. They have to make up things that they went and did in, in, in Tampa that they're pretty mundane. If you're in any other city, they're like, yeah, we went down to Jamba Juice. It was really nice. Oh. We uh, Have you guys been out and seen the, the stingrays in the outfield? That's about the only thing that they have to talk about. Oh, when I went, you know, the, the main attraction was the Nelly concert that they were going to have afterwards. Yeah, and they had a they had a Vanilla Ice, Rob Bass, and I forgot who else. Tone Loke, I believe, was doing the uh, the post-game concert on Friday night because I had listened to Shannon Dreher's post-game, and she had to move and actually do her post-game from her iPhone because it was so loud from uh. the press box, and all you could hear was... All you could hear was 90s hip-hop. It was pretty cool. But after that game, they ought to just said, screw the post-game and just bootleg that concert. What do you think about that, Hannah? Yeah, um, just like the old CNC Music Factory at the Kingdom, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. I actually saw Montel Jordan one time. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when Cube 93 used to do the concerts at the Kingdom. They would actually have them out in the center field area. So it was really cool to actually go down on the field. I also think I saw this band called 
Mokin Steph, I believe, there at, at one point. Did you ever go to any concerts at the Kingdom after a game? Uh, just CNC Music Factory. That was a hell of a lip singing show you saw there. Yeah, they were, you know, when you're that age, you know, preteen, teenager. I mean, it was pretty cool. I liked, I mean, never mind. I want to stick to this. You saw you saw the two songs they had, uh, Gonna Make You Sweat and Things That Make You Go, hmm. Must have been a short concert. All right, to pay homage to the NFL, uh, we're going to go through these four games pretty quickly here. This is our hurry-up offense. We had game one. If you did not see game one on Thursday, you missed the offensive attack of a one-to-nothing victory. We had Mike Ford with the lone RBI. Actually, I enjoyed his RBI, Hanno, um, just the way it came about. You had a leadoff double with A. Eugenio Suarez. You had Ty France hitting the ball the right side, moving him over, and you get Ford for the big RBI. I mean, that's all the offense there really is to talk about in this game. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of hit hard-hit balls. I saw Rojas get a couple of robs, but that's pretty much it on the offensive end as far as positives for either team. Yeah, my only takeaway was getting to see Campbell come in in the seventh inning. We haven't seen him very often in that kind of leverage situation in tight games, or especially if they have the lead after Castillo uh, came out. Uh, he was absolutely incredible from what I've seen uh, of him. So much late action on his ball, um, and he was the key to the uh, bullpen for me. Brat- Matt Brash came in and followed up looking just like uh, Campbell or Campbell just looked like Brash in their outing. And then Andres Munoz uh, did his thing, hit a couple guys, walked a guy, and uh, got the save. Luckily, Cal Raleigh, it looks like he's been working on his throwing. And since you're at Murphy's, his ball isn't leaking all over the park like Murphy has been, like what showed us <laughs> earlier. But um, Cal has got that under control. He's thrown some guys out here lately on the road trip, and that was a big throw out during that game. And that was just like a game-winning home run, it kind of felt like, especially in a one to nothing game. That was the second one of the game, too. Yeah. yeah. We want to take it back to, you know, even Cincinnati. He threw out a couple people pre- pretty impressively. So he's got mm-hmm. like four really good throwouts in the last week. Cal's yeah. really like showing me. He got Ellie in that, in that, in that series. He got Ellie De La Cruz once. Uh, but this one, this one was huge. I mean, how many times do you go back, Hanno, and you watch home runs and or you watch a lot of time great plays? But this is probably the most I've went back and watched a catcher throw somebody out. Yeah, it was a great throw, um, pivotal point in the game. Uh, you know, he walked the next batter or hit the guy. I don't remember the scenario, but yeah, would have had runner on second base. It was a huge momentum thing. Uh, for Cal and for the team and to help out Munoz, which was the key to the whole thing. He was all over the place that game. Obviously if it's a one to nothing game, there's some great defense. Dom can zone with that catch going into left field. Uh, I heard, I think Dan Wilson was talking about it, that what's what's so dangerous about that is a typical fields. You can really tell when you're coming off the, the turf to the warning track to the wall. Uh, what'd you think about that catch? Yeah, it was a nice play, pretty routine, but I mean, he's kind of an adventure out there, but yeah, he made the nice play and flipped into the uh, bar, I guess, down the left field line. It was a nice play or good yes. catch by Canzone. So we get in game two, the roof comes back into play right there in the first inning. Uh, we, we get the bases loaded. Uh, they lose the ball in the, in the uh, ceiling. Uh, 
pretty much could have been a you know deciding factor there in the game. You get out of that first inning clean. Uh, you know, you lose this game six to four. There were two big uh, home runs uh, that came late. The two in, to two run home run off of George Kirby, very controversial. And then we had the uh, other two run home run coming off. I believe Campbell doing a back to back. I know he was very impressive in game one. They went with him again. Uh, gave up the two-run shot. Mariners lose this game 6-4, to four, but you can also point to the offense here, uh, getting a nice early start early in the game and then just not being able to punch any runs in the rest of the game. Also, when I say controversial, if you had, did not hear uh, George Kirby's comments after the game, um, it, it was something for Mariners Twitter and the media to jump all over. Um, George Kirby comes back out in the seventh and comes back out in the seventh inning. I should say after throwing 90 pitch prior, uh, when he gave up the two run home run, he was visibly upset there out on the mound. Um, ball was getting hit off him pretty hard that inning prior to that. And, uh, with the single, um, and after the game, he said, quote, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh inning to be honest. Cause I was at 90 pitches. I didn't think I needed to go out there anymore, said Kirby. Um, I know he commented the very next day going like, hey, I was you know, a bit emotional, and a lot of the times I have to get the ball pried out of my hands. But what was your takeaway of this game, Hannah, and what were your takeaways from the comments? Uh, from the game, I guess, my big takeaway was seeing Campbell go out there, like you mentioned, uh, second straight game. Yeah, he was incredible that game one, like I mentioned. But then to throw him out in that situation again, I uh, was a little surprised. Haven't seen him go back to back. There Agreed. was a lot of a lot of questionable decisions bullpen wise uh, this whole series. But there's also a lot of variables that go into it. But that's I mean, we could go on and on about that. And then the George Kirby thing, I didn't hear anything about it. Um, just didn't watch post game or anything. Didn't really watch the inning before. Saw the home runs given up by him and Campbell, and thought no more of it. Uh, the next day, I was reading the article by Adam Jude and was reading it, and I was totally just shocked. Like, what is this? What is yeah. he talking about? Why? What is the context of this? It made no sense to me. And I was thinking, George, have you ever heard about keeping things on the DL? I mean, it just made no sense. I didn't understand it all. I didn't read any of the social media or any of the other stuff, but I'm sure he just got torched um, on that. And then on, I, I mean probably sports center, MLB network, all that. How can you come out and say, I'm, I've pitched 92 pitches. I'm done. I mean, it was just so out of character. You call you can call George Kirby a gamer, but when he says something like that, it makes no freaking sense. But I wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure all those people are all worked up, but I think of George Kirby as a guy that, you know, wants the ball, wants to pitch all the time. Uh, it was just so out of character and weird. And I've never heard the context behind it or anything. Like you said, it must've just been the type of thing where he was frustrated after giving a homer, but so weird and out there to me, it's just another kind of JK thing where he got, you know, in trouble for, or he injured himself kicking the thing. It's just some young players that are both uh, emotional and move on. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Just like, I don't think the JK thing was a big deal. Well, I mean, I come from an era where, you know, Nolan Ryan would throw 180 pitches and, and, you know, they'd have to drag him out of the eighth inning. You know, all these pitchers, I don't know, there's pitch counts now and stuff, but nine, 90 pitches to me is, you know, eh. 
you're going back out there. We need you to come through. I understand the decision. If you're at, you know, 110, 120 pitches, but 90 to me, I don't know. I just come from a different era. Now everything's so regulated with these pitchers and pitch counts and everything. But I just think back to like, what would Nolan Ryan do? Seriously? Yeah, I get that. I get, I get what you're saying too, Hanno. Uh, why go out and throw your manager and coaching staff and team decision under the bus with it? You can feel that way. And I, and I agree with him. Maybe, Hey, I don't have it. I did my, I did, I did enough. I know he's coming. This is a start after his first start coming back from an illness. He didn't have it early in the game. I get it. He didn't need to go out there. Uh, I thought that was, I was actually surprised to see him out there, but I don't think you go and say that. Uh, I do feel like he was right. He didn't need to go back out there, especially if he doesn't want to go back out there, but the whole, the comments and everything, you know, he's going to get torched and he did the right thing. Just like JK the next day and come out here and go, Hey, I'm gone. And when you say to Hanno out of character, he even said the next day, Hey, usually he's trying to pry the ball out of my hand. I mean, we've seen this guy go nine innings. We've seen what he's done in the playoffs. It was very out of character. And I think you summed it up young, this is just kind of a young emotional reaction from a young player in the league, and he'll probably learn from it. And also, yeah, I get it. We've seen pitchers throw a lot of pitches. I mean, the, the leader of the pitching staff went out there the day before and threw 108. And then, yeah, when you do say 90 pitches, it does make you kind of feel a little bit soft, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I get all those things. I mean, it just was weird. Where is this coming from? What's it about? You have this problem. Why? Yeah. Why would you ever say it publicly? That's why I say keep it on the DL. Why wouldn't you talk to the manager? Did these guys not talk between innings? I'm sure they would. I could never possibly ever see Scott uh, being between innings with him and Kirby and Kirby saying he's tired and Scott saying, okay, well, you got to tough it out and go get it. Uh, yeah. The next inning, that doesn't make sense to me. That was, so that's what I'm talking about, context. It's just says everything is so weird about the whole thing. Yeah, I understand 92 pitches isn't a lot. And I agree with that too, but just the whole thing is baffling to me. So I need more information on it. I know it was very strange. I did hear it right after the game. And then when he said that, I was like, Ooh, that's going to yeah. come back to me. We're like just, watching the interview. Just the way things happen now, especially with social media, that's not something that you're just, somebody's going to either pick up the paper tomorrow and uh, read that quote. Like you said, Hanno, you went and you read the story the next day and we're like, what, why this makes no sense to me. And, you know, you, you read about it tomorrow in the old days in the next article. This is all over social media. He was getting torched. He was getting torched by, you know, even local people. But, I mean, I really like George Kirby. I feel like, hey. I, he, I went like he went, like, out back. of his comfort zone to the normal, like, talking points of baseball. You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it for my team. If you listen to Julio and you look at all these guys, you know, they're not about themselves. They're about, like talking about winning games and they have their talking points and they're trained and the Kirby, they, it's one of those things are like, definitely don't say this. And then he like, yeah, he said it. <laughs> like, well, well, I've watched quite a few. I usually do watch the post games and I enjoy what seeing the pitchers get interviewed. And if you've watched a bunch of them with George Kirby and if he's had a tough outing or it wasn't his best, he's highly critical of himself, but he's very salty during his interviews. He's on edge. He's pissed off. And uh, just seems 
I would think that maybe he just wasn't thinking and went over over the line or something. I don't know. I didn't I didn't see the interview. I'm just going off of what I've seen before, and he's he's salty in interviews. I'm gonna have to keep a little closer uh, notice on his uh, interviews because I think I've just seen him like just when I've watched either been very successful or the Mariners win because I haven't seen that side to him. So I'm gonna have to keep closer notice on it, but I I definitely could see that. It was definitely, I would just say at the end of the day, it was out of character. And anything else that happened in that game, you're just kind of like, I'm not going to remember. That's always going to be the game for me with the comments. Unfortunately, he went back out the next day, did the same thing Jared Kelnick did. He went out there, he faced the media, knew he was wrong. And it was, I did like that. He did make the remark that, hey, Scott Service. Usually, I, he's Chavs to pry the ball out of it because that's what we've seen from him all the time. I mean, this is a guy that goes in the hallways, very intense. Um, I think again, just to wrap this up, just just an emotional reaction from somebody that's had quite a bit of success, and lately, it, he hasn't. He's uh, he's had two rough outings. He missed an outing because of an illness, and um, hopefully, he turns it back around. And maybe this is something that's gonna. He's let it, you know, fester up and now let it out and maybe get back to being George. Yeah, I mean, one final thing for me is I said that, you know, it was so odd and out of character and just weird. I mean, the only other thing I can come up with is that there is truly some underlying kind of frustration between George and the Mariners or Scott or the pitching staff or pitching coaches, whatever. I mean, that's the only other possibility, but it just... Like I said, it's baffling to me, and I need more context in all of it. Yes. Uh, just moving on to game three, that was the bullpen game the next day, which kind of kind of showed you why, hey, we needed an extra, as, as Scott likes to call it, stud innings out of him. It was a bullpen day. Uh, Mariners get off to a really hot start. We see Julio hit, hit one of the rings, basically really hit a ceiling scraper. In there, uh, if, he, and, he hit one out of the stadium. That's what I'm going with. He hit one out of the stadium. He hit one of the rings. He had not seen this, which is his new career high. Which uh, Randy Rosarena, the ball bounced down to him. They called it a home run. I don't know if they gave that back to Julio. Who probably did. If I was a Rosarena, I'd have put that thing in my pocket and made some money off of that history. But to start off this game was feeling really good, but this is one of those games where you watch the other team claw back in. It kind of reminded me of what we saw in Cincinnati. Teams clawing back in, and the Mariners just, again, I know they hit, they put up one more run later in the game to tie it back up at five. But a game where they just did not, um, they did not keep putting on runs, uh, a big swing or uh, pendulum uh, shift to me in this game was we saw Brian O'Keefe get his, you know, first career home run, last guy in the dugout that was going to hold the Triton. I know Hanno and I've been talking about that. Gets that called back. That was not a home run. Uh, and then he gets proceeded to get doubled off. <laughs> you know, uh, Mariners. Uh, you know, tie the game later, but they go to Sauce in the in the ninth. Gets two outs, puts somebody on a game winning home run. Tough loss. We, Another tough loss, maybe not as tough as the game winning home run by Cincinnati in the game two of that series, but right up there, especially when you think maybe you can get away with bullpen day here and you, you use a lot of arms in the game and you get the L. Hannah, what was your big takeaway of the Saturday game? 
the Mariners, you know, it seems like lately that they uh, do get some crooked numbers up, but only early and never late and not very often and not adding on. So that's hurt them through this, you know, tough stretch. And yeah, when they're going through a bullpen game and how things have been, they're thin out there. They're supposedly tired. Uh, yeah, it's just, you get a big lead and then they come back, you know, that this game's over. So it was just another pitiful loss. Oh man. I'm just, I don't, I already forgot about it. Yeah. I put it behind me. <laughs> it's like, I remember they, they like hit a home run to end the game. Yes. Um, and, and then uh, again, I threw something. Yeah. And then again, here in this game four, I think Hannah summed it up. It looked like they were just ready to get back home and get off this road trip that they ended up three and seven. Uh, the Miller, the Miller beer, the Miller high life was flat today. Five runs. Uh, Mariners get a couple back. Leave a lot of guys on base. Another game where they strike out quite a bit. Had opportunities to get back into the game, but the big swing and miss in those moments. Um, bullpen, whatever they pieced together today, gave them a chance to uh, try to catch back up a bit. Listen, they hit 18 home runs on this road trip, but still the manufacturing of the runs just isn't there. It, there's not much to talk about in this game, but anything else to add about it? Do you have anything to add, Hannah? I mean, I just watched the quick three runs Miller gave up uh, and saw the, you know, just a little bit longer, saw how the guys were playing and could tell, like you said, flat, disinterested. You said the bullpen was good. I flipped back because I went to football to go watch the Niners. And uh, you, I flipped back. You said the bullpen was good. Leone, did he not give up a home run finally? He finally did not. In fact, that's what we are here at Murphy's celebrating tonight <laughs> uh because well, he'll be he'll be gone yeah no bizarro came out there he pitched two innings gave up a run and uh leon did not give a run so i guess that's a quite quite a quite an overstatement that they did well but i mean they, they didn't let it get worse than it was uh mariners offense did not look good today the ninja you say that there was a pivotal moment in this game that actually it ruined should, everything. It should change the rules of baseball. And what is that? There's a second or third inning. They're up. I think. I think it was three zero or something. They're up, and then we had runners on first and second with two outs, and Cal Raleigh was up, and Cal, oh, Raleigh, yeah. Cal Raleigh moves and fouls the ball off his foot, and it rolls out, and they call him out at first, and then the umps gather together, and then none of them saw the player what happened and it's an um unreviewable play so how yeah. is how is a foul ball off a of batter not a reviewable play and that's the rule that needs to change you're going to take anything from this in a pivotal moment when you have two teams battling for wild card position you know in such a pivotal moment and this isn't a reviewable play it, it could have changed the outcome of the game and in the, in the whole playoff scenario Hey, I hear you. I I don't know why some are and some aren't reviewable. It makes no sense. And like you said, it's an impactful play that could cost seeding, could happen in the playoffs, cost games, could have cost this game. Yeah, I hear you. It makes no sense. Who would at the like competition committee be like, no, I don't think that's that's a reviewable play. What sense does that make? If it's a, If it's a swing and a foul ball and it clearly goes off the batter – 
period. Well, I think it's we're getting off track, but I think it's stupid that they even have to get together and bring some guy out to put the headphones on. You can just have a guy look at New York, say it's into some guy's ear that has a butt in his ear on the bases, and say it's a foul ball. I don't, I don't like a lot of things. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, like just as fans or just somebody with a fresh set of eyes can see these things already. That's the way I felt yeah. like they should speed up the game, just like you said, Hanno. Just like right away, be like that guy was safe. Remind it, yeah, he was safe. They just put it up, and that—that's how I'd speed up the game. The the waiting with the fucking the headphones and everything is challenging stu- system it's and like it's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, uh, maybe that's something that'll get brought up here in in the off season. Anyways, you know the Mariners dropped this series to them. Also dropped the season series. Probably won't come into play too much. We're miles behind. Tampa Bay. We are nine and a half back from Tampa Bay, and they have the uh, tiebreaker if somehow there was this massive collapse. Uh, but the Mariners season ticket holders are still going to probably get charged for their wild card games. You do get a refund, but at this point, you're either going to be the two or you're going to be the three or you're going to be the American League West uh, champion. So Pretty much, you're either not going to be playing the first week during the wild card, or you're going to be on the road. That's basically the big outcome from out of this. Major League Baseball presents Big League Tips. Here's how to figure an earned run average. First of all, take the total number of earned runs that you've allowed, say 20. You divide that by the number of innings that you've pitched, let's say 80. Now, that'll give you a figure, 80 into 20, of .250. Now, you take .250, multiply that by 9 to give you a number of runs per 9 inning. Uh, this would be 2.25. In the ERA of that, you'd be pitching awfully well. Baseball fever. Catch it. Major League Baseball. Look, they're coming home. They can put this week behind them, put these first 10 games behind them, try to get caught up here in September. Uh, we're going to be adding a big bat back to the team, Jared Kelnick. Uh, what is the latest going into Monday morning here on Jared Kelnick? I would assume that he will be called up. Um, he's played in 10 games. I would assume they mentioned, I or we mentioned a couple episodes ago when they had on the shadow, uh, Justin Her- Herlander, <laughs> which is Hollander, excuse me, yeah. his name. The shadow. Um, uh, they had the shadow Justin Hollander on, and he said that they figured that it would be a extensive rehab and that he would assume that Jared would be back when the Mariners uh, came back for their homestand. So here we are here. Um, everything that I've seen, he's making defensive diving catches. He's stealing a couple bases. He's hitting. When do they uh, make the announcement? I would imagine it would be tomorrow right before the game. Can they do that, like, right tomorrow before the game, say, like, oh, we activated Kelnick and we um, optioned Cade Marlowe to – that's going to, like, be announced probably, like, what, tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, when they put out the the lineups and things. There, there's, so, like, a cutoff time, I think, for the day, but yeah. they will always typically wait until the last moment just to keep their options open, right, Hanno? That seems to be the way they do things. And – 
if he's I don't know. I know they're playing down in I believe Salt Lake or Reno. They wait until the player is actually on site. So like if they're traveling from somewhere, like called up depending if wherever they are. So I don't know if Tacoma is coming back here tonight or tomorrow after they're finishing their series, but the only time it's kind of a lot later is just making sure the player can get to the stadium wherever that is when they're called up. And here's and you mentioned Cade Marlowe as an example. Who do you think's going to be DFA'd for or not DFA'd, sorry. I mean either sent down or DFA'd for uh Jared Kelmick. Who who would you believe will it be and is that who it will be? Um, I would I would go with what Ninja said, Marlowe. And the only reason I mean I don't know, it could be anybody, but Marlowe sure makes sense. We haven't seen him in weeks. Uh, they recalled uh, Haggerty, and he's played a lot more than Marlowe. Marlowe was struggling, uh, striking out a bunch, but we just haven't seen him. So, I mean, if I was just – I mean, I have no idea, but if I was to put five bucks on it, I would bet Marlowe. Yeah, I would bet Marlowe too. I would bet it's somebody that's left-handed as well. Uh, a lot of lefties right now on the team. And look – Going up against Anaheim, the first two pitchers in this series are going to be left-handers. So, I mean, you got to keep those right-handed bats around, possibly for this. I would, I would think. Again, yeah, Marlowe has the least amount of uh, time played here uh, in the majors because Canzone, I believe, has played himself onto the team. Mike Ford, you know, has to me earned a spot here on the bench and and a rotational DH. Uh, you're not going to send Dylan Moore, obviously, down. And, you know, Caballero, is, you know, if he was left-handed, uh, possibly a different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, as of right now, yeah, I'd have to go with, with Cade Marlowe as well. I think it has to do with contract situations, too, and about who you DFA and who we can keep. And I think Cade Marlowe is one of the last options we have that, we can send him to AAA without having to release him. We can't send Mike Ford down to AAA. We either have to release him or, you know, keep him with the team. And I think Dylan Moore is like that too, you know. So I think Cade Marlowe is one of the only guys on our team that we can just option to AAA without without losing him right now. Well, and Sam Haggerty, I think, too. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, how excited are you to have uh, Jared Kelnick coming back to the Mariners, coming back from what he's been through, coming back from hearing what what he has said, how he's grown from the situation. And, fuck, let's, yeah, fuck let's, yeah. uh, let's just remember what he was doing before he went down. He was the pretty much the only person hitting in July at the time. Yeah, I hope he gives us a bump. We need it. We need it. I mean, uh, we mentioned that the guys were flat. I don't know if it's the road trip or the losing or just not playing well or what, but hopefully he comes in. Just does whatever he can do and gives the team a bump. Yeah, we're going to get George Kirby and Jared Kelnick coming back to take us to the promised land. <laughs> we are pissed off. George Kirby and Kelnick proving it. Like, man, that's the storyline. I'm excited for Jared Kelnick to come back. Been critical of him. Uh, wanted him to show me things, and that's different than hating somebody. There's There's been a doubt at times, and it's usually on that sixth tool. Uh, which, you know, we, we saw something that uh, I think merits those um, 
doubts or just, hey, show me that this has changed. I, From what I'm hearing and what he's been through and listening to other people, like he's probably not going to make mistakes like this. And we know how much work he did at that. And he let a moment, you know, yes, he kicked the cooler. We don't want no, him to kick anything. No. We've, we've said you before. hit coolers with bats. Yeah, you hit it or you throw it. We've, we've talked about it. You, there's handles on it for a reason. Mm-hmm. You've seen guys get dumped the Gatorade. Yeah. Uh, Machado, perfect example this week. Just beating the shit out of that cooler with a bat. Yeah, you, know? you, you beat it up. You toss it. Nonetheless, he wasn't doing it at somebody. It was, it was he you know, kicked it, kicked it the wrong way. And uh, look, I, I, I'm happy for him to come back. I'm I'm less happy to hear John Denver's um, country road. I'm going to have to hear that over and over. But if that's the trade off to seeing this guy do well, I'll take it. I don't care if they're playing one, eight, seven, seven cars for kids. That's a pretty good walk up song. <laughs> that, would be an, that would be a very uh, annoying song to play. Another person that we're wondering if we are going to see him and anticipating him possibly next year's newest Mariner. <laughs> According to the fan base's wet dreams, Shohei Otani, Phil Nevin, don't want to trust him as a source, but Phil Nevin says there's a strong possibility he's in the lineup here on Monday. I think that'll be great. I think the Mariners fans are going to go out and do what they did at the All-Star game if he shows up. I really hope to see him uh, play here for that reason, for the reason that the Mariners need some W's, maybe not so much. Yeah, I want to see Otani come play here. But I have a gut a gut feeling that it's not going to happen. There's Phil Nevin came out today and said, "Yeah, he's um, on track to play for us this coming this upcoming series." But everything you hear about it is just like he won't put a date on it. He's wish washy. He wants to avoid the questions. I just have a gut instinct that they're going to shut him down for the year, and he's going to have surgery in about six days. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's great. I hope he gets the surgery. Um, so then he can, uh, I mean, it's, I've heard all kinds of things when it's your second Tommy John, you're out longer. So you're out even, you know, longer than a year for pitching. I've heard up to two years, but who knows? I mean, he's an incredible, mm-hmm. phenomenal player and athlete, the unicorn, you know, so maybe he could come back sooner, but yeah, if he's here, that's cool. That'd be really nice to uh, have all the fans. Cause you know, they're going to be begging for him to come back and, uh, that's just the way that Seattle is. From what I heard, that his tear is in a different spot than his original tear, so it's not redoing the first procedure. It's doing a, a first procedure of the new tear, so the recovery time is supposed to be about the same. Well, that's good. I I think for Otani, look, he took himself out of the batting cage after he had you know an an abdominal strain happen. Uh, I think it's he's in an interesting position. Does he shut it down and get surgery? Does he play and continue on and just hammer home more this MVP on a personal, on a personal, uh, from a personal stance? Because let's just say he does shut down. Does that give Julio a bigger opening? Uh, possibly if the Mariners win the West. I don't even know if that's something he thinks about, but that's just an interesting thing to follow to see if, you know, these are his stats. He doesn't play the last month. That's something that goes into consideration. Uh, any thoughts on that? 
No, not really. I mean, like I said, I didn't know he wasn't playing. The only information that I've heard about Otani, because I don't really follow the A's and haven't uh, seen any other things on him about him being injured, was that they had someone stand in as a body double for the team they pitcher did. for him. That's all I know about him. Yeah, the Angels did take their their team picture and he got a body double, which I don't know screams I don't want to be there more than more than any. I've never heard of somebody sending a body double outside of like Michael Jackson. I mean, uh, that doesn't really say how hey, I want to be here with the team. But yeah, so the Angels are coming into town here. Big series. Every series is a big series. Mariners have three losing series in a row. It's got to stop at some point. Uh, let's hope it's this week because you got the Dodgers coming in. So you got to have a get right series. Um, we've pretty much talked about everything that's like right here on the plate. Want to just kind of put it all behind us and get back to these winning ways. Uh, but we did have a tough Seattle sports Sunday here. Mariners lose, Seahawks lose. Really quick, what were your first uh, impressions of the 2023 Seattle Seahawks, Hanno? Man, I could go on for a long time, but I mentioned that I watched the game before the Seahawks game on on 13. Uh, and if you happen to watch that game and the Seahawks game, you could you would come away with there's an incredible difference between those two teams that are supposedly the front runners in the NFC West. Well, my takeaway is after watching the Monday Night Football game and watching the New York Giants just get just throttled at least we're not the worst team in the nfl we might be like the second worst team right now <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, we play the giants coming up so at least we got that going for us. i don't think it's that bad but I, I i'm also not impressed I, I i'm not impressed with what i saw there you lose the two tackles though in the game but some of the play calling was very strange i could go on for either uh, but listen, at least we're not New York fans. You got the Mets playing like shit. You got the Yankees about to have their first losing season in 25 years. And the New York Giants go out here and lose. Get a 40-burger put on them at home. Hey, they got Aaron Rodgers and the Jets for Monday Night Football. That's their last hope. But uh, anyways, we'll be back following the Anaheim series. Hopefully... Uh, talking some good vibes only kind of Mariners stuff uh you know but they couldn't have had a uh, a worse timing bad week luckily though the Rangers and the Astros aren't running away with things Mariners are still in contention for the postseason uh, and they got two home stands and one road trip so more home games than road games uh, so we're looking forward to talking about all that thank you for liking subscribing and all of that good stuff, check out at simply.cora on Instagram or Etsy for the gear. And also thanks to Shelly and Murphy's Pub here on 45th. Go check this place out. It's right on the corner of Densmore and 45th uh, in the Wallingford area. With that being said, Hanno, you know what time it is. Ciao.